Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games that I have to play instead of playing Hitman. Got him. My name's Ali. I'm joined by my friend James, who is an enabler who got me hooked on this goddamn Hitman bullshit. Mm -hmm. Finally, someone listened. Yeah, now my life is spiraling out of control. So, Mm -hmm. great. You're welcome. How are you today? Well, I'm alone and I'm in the dark. (laughs) That's right. We're talking about Alone in the Dark 1992. Oof. Um, Grandpa over here. Daddy. Daddy survival horror. The dad who walked out on you when you were a kid and then tried to come back in your life way too late. And you were like, Mm -hmm. you've just missed too much. (laughs) (laughs) That's too accurate. (laughs) But... Before we get into my own personal emotional issues, a couple reminders. As always, this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness, sign up to support the show, get extra content every week. Um, And also you can go to zerobrightness.com to find links to all of our stuff. We have shirts for sale. We have music for sale. Um, I'm really in this fucking Bandcamp mode. I'm just making shit for Bandcamp, packaging mm-hmm. it up, shipping it out. Stamps.com. Mm-hmm. What's up? Where's our sponsorship? Um, <laughs> I love it, dude. You've become like the Robert Pollard of like, like sludge gaze. You know that, right? Like, yeah. Every time you go to the bathroom, you come out with a new song. Yeah, I have done like <laughs> what eighty minutes of solo music since uh corona started and another heaven has put out or is putting out three singles my other band is doing a full album that's gonna come out in a couple weeks more like corona inspirus oh shit (laughs) i'll be here all week that was good that was good and uh actually funny enough i found probably another hour of old demos from my old band that i'm probably gonna post Mm. up sometime too so nice well hey if you want to get uh ollie inspired all we have to do is crush the economy (laughs) just destroy my life yeah that's all Mm -hmm. it takes just destroy society that's Uh, all speaking of destroying society zero brightness is a game club Mm. and you can listen to the end of the episode we tell you what we're going to play next you can jump in our discord and talk to us Mm -hmm. um your job says the buildings burn yeah if you're still working, your job won't know if you do it while at work. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, no comment. No comment. All right. Alone <laughs> in the Dark 1992. Man, it's been quite a long time since 1992. Mm-hmm. I was playing Sonic 2 Christmas Eve 1992 <laughs> while these PC gamers were getting a Resident Evil's daddy. Yeah, it is kind of nuts to think about this game coming out in 1992. Cause like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very much in the era where PC games were uh, a lot of adventure games, classic style adventure games, um, and this game definitely has some of that flavor. But it's also so different, stands apart. You know, I, I think a good context for this is to say that it this came out before doom 
That's crazy. Like, 1992 was when Wolfenstein 3D came out. Yeah. So if you look at Alone in the Dark in that context, uh, it's kind of mind-blowing. Right. Like, this is the year, like, Kirby came out in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and Alone in the Dark basically achieved notoriety or fame or something uh, mostly as being the inspiration for the original Resident Evil on mm-hmm. the Sony PlayStation. I mean... And the moment you see this game, it's undeniable. Yeah. And what's funny is that I still think a lot of people didn't actually play this game uh, for various reasons, but it was something that got brought up all the time, like in video game magazines, for example, mm-hmm. right? Like, I remember reading any article about the first Resident Evil. There's always a little crappy screenshot of Alone in the Dark in the corner, like, Alone in the Dark inspired Resident Evil. Um, Well, my first experience with this was, um, later on I got a PC, and I picked up a Interplay 10-year anthology, and it had a game for, from every year, from, I think it was like 93 to 83, and, uh, Alone in the Dark was on it, also was uh, Lost Vikings, which I loved a lot. Um, those were basically the only two games on the disc that I played. But yeah, I, I played Alone in the Dark maybe in 94 when we got a PC. And it kind of blew my mind, but at the same time, uh, I could figure it out. And I couldn't get past the beginning part where you're stuck in the attic. So Yeah. I remember playing this game probably when I was in high school. So I played it way, way, way mm, after it came okay. out. And it was, yeah, more like a kind of an archival thing. Like, well, I love horror games so much, I should go play the first one. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, we had game FAQs by then, and we knew how to cheat and stuff. So I played it, but yeah, it's not a (laughs) user-friendly experience. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's... So I would say it's, um, you know, like 80% proto resident evil and the other 20 percent is pc adventure games so i mean like in its dna is pc adventure games so you have to like go into menus to choose between attack and interact like there's you know 80 keys on a damn keyboard but like they can't assign that to buttons (laughs) kind of mind-blowing well I would honestly say that I think it's probably a little bit more than 20% if we were trying to break it down. Because, like, Mm. there's so much here that's from classic adventure games. Number one, it has the look and the aesthetic. uh, Mm. Even, like, a lot of the 2D art. So, if you haven't seen this game in motion, it's kind of a mix of 2D and 3D. But instead of the 2D stuff looking like pre-rendered, you know, like a PlayStation era survival horror game. Mm-hmm. It looks like a classic 2D adventure game, you know? Yeah, it's more like hand-painted, hand-drawn yeah. look. Yeah, yeah. So, more like, I don't know, Gabriel Knight or something earlier. I don't know, I can't think today. Uh, <laughs> but like, so it has that look. And then, yeah, also the the sort of going into menus to choose a context specific action thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay. So if you're not familiar with these old adventure games, kind of the original interface for these games, you know, something like the first monkey Island or something like that um, was basically that 
at the bottom of the screen, there'd usually be like a list of actions, either as words or as symbols. And you got your verbs, man. Yeah. And so like usually wouldn't have direct control of the character. You could click on the screen to make your character go somewhere, but you could also then click on the verb that you want your character to do and then click on the thing that you want them to do it to. Mm-hmm. Um, Alone in the Dark has essentially the same control scheme, but you do have direct control of the character and you kind of only have two like action buttons. And so one of them pulls basically up. basically have two buttons, period. Yeah. Yeah. And you have <laughs> one action button. So you have to go into the menu and choose what action you want the character to do and then use the action button. But there's also an action, like real time action component where sometimes you have to hold down the button and aim. And so it's. It's weird because at heart, it is exactly like a point and click adventure game. But the fact that you Mm -hmm. have to do it in this different way makes it feel more like Resident Evil, I guess. I I feel like I should have gone back and played the original RE1 just to give myself a little more context on how similar these games are. I mean, there is a three year difference. RE1 came out in 95 in Japan. So, yeah, that would be interesting to see. I mean, they're really different actually Mm -hmm. i mean so resident evil you know once again people love to talk about what inspired it uh because it's like fun trivia you know so it's like it's like alone in the dark plus sweet home plus night of the living dead right Mm -hmm. but resident evil is actually really different from all those games and the amount of stuff that it brought that was specific to survival horror is why it spun off its own genre called survival hmm. horror, right? I'm going to challenge you a little bit though, because there's so much here that's there. We're talking, you know, you choose your gun out of the inventory and you have to tank control point left and right to aim at the bad guy and you shoot them and they get back up and you shoot them again. And then you've got item based puzzles um, you've got item-based healing things like potions and stuff. Um, there's a lot there that's that's so Resident Evil. Yeah, I I mean I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm just yeah. going to say that I think that Resident Evil really it changed enough and it evolved so many of the mechanics in this game mm-hmm. that it sure. actually made it feel like a genre like yeah well i mean don't get me wrong resident evil's better yeah well (laughs) and i think the big thing for me is that resident evil even if you go back and play the first one it's Mm -hmm. it's rough i mean like it is rough to go back to it's still a great game but it's rough yet at the same time like you can feel that it's like oh this is sort of like the invention of a genre right Mm. like until you go back and play this (laughs) no see i'm arguing that when you play this you don't feel that way this feels more like a weird experiment like i respect Mm. it for being groundbreaking it's way the fuck ahead of its time but like it it's not well all there it's proto survival horror just like the stooges are proto punk right like this is the stooges and the ramones are resident evil sure but there's a reason a good reason that people don't say the stooges are the first punk band which is that there's big differences and that they didn't go like all the way into that you know what i mean i'm gonna live with that answer because 
that just brought up our nerdy music trivia for the episode. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, you can easily argue that the Stooges are the first punk band, just like you sure. can easily argue that this game is the first survival horror game. Mm-hmm. But I guess I would push back on both because I feel like they're both more just like experiments that are coming out mm-hmm. of a different genre. You know what I mean? Boom. So yeah. You don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> okay, so a little background. 1992, Infogrames, or, or do you pronounce it Infogrames? I just, I always said Infogrames. I like Infogrames because I think it's French. It's not a good name in English. I'll say that much. <laughs> <laughs> like Infogames or Infrogames? I don't know, man. Info, inf, infogrames. Um, so it was developed by Frederick Raynal, a French software developer. He also went on to make Little Big Adventure and Little Big Adventure 2, which are um, pretty beloved PC adventure games that a lot of people don't know about just because they never had console ports, but they are really cool. Uh, are you familiar with those games? Uh, no. They start, well, they're, they're very similar to this because there's tank controls and a lot of the backgrounds are pre-rendered. Some of them are isometric, but like th- there's like a city that's pre-rendered, uh, pre-rendered like Resident Evil. You get tank controls, but then you have to go into menus to do different things. The character will have different stances, like a combat stance or a running stance. Um, so yeah, it does share a lot of DNA with this, and it was a lot of fun, kind of lighthearted, little big adventure. It's great. I think it was big in Europe. Nice. Uh, and then Frederick Ray Ornall later went and did a uh, time commando for the PlayStation one, which is kind of like a wild concept because he tried to make an action game with pre-rendered backgrounds. This was like before Onimusha, but the pre-rendered backgrounds were animated and not just in like the trees moving way, but like the camera would move animated. So you're like, like playing action scenes with this character, like on top of like a, a animated moving background, kind of wild kind of looks like shit too. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I think it's just notable because pretty interesting experimentation. Um, recently he's done this game called too dark in 2017, which it kind of looks like it sucks withholding judgment because I haven't played it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's Alone in the Dark, definitely, and it seems like all of his games, although this is the only one of his games that I've played. They have that classic, you know, late 80s, early 90s PC game feel where mm-hmm. there was a lot of experimentation. Uh, there was a lot of trying to push technology, break boundaries, do new stuff. And sure. for as many times as you get something like Doom, which it's kind of like timeless like it still feels fresh right i mean doom is still very fun to play today yeah for as many times as you got something like that you got something more like this (laughs) where going back to it is difficult for a litany of reasons well uh, we might as well just say it i think uh i had more fun with this game than you did yeah i like super did not enjoy replaying this game and once again this isn't the first time i've played it um it's been a while like i definitely i think the last time i was probably in high school and i was like okay that's cool that's enough of that 
Um, <laughs> I didn't like dislike it though. I was like, oh, it's interesting, sure. right? Like whatever. Yeah. And once again, I have a pretty high tolerance for jank just because I love going back and playing PS1 survival horror. I mm-hmm. never, I really haven't returned to like a PS1 style game and been like, ew, what are these controls? Or like, oh, it's so slow. Like I don't have that issue. But man, this game, see, this game drove <laughs> me up the wall. And I have a theory uh, about why. Okay. And here's my theory. This game basically has all of the bad habits of a PS1 style survival horror game, but crank mm-hmm. up cranked up to like a hundred. <laughs> okay. So like a lot of times when you go back to a game that's like the first in a genre or, you know, established a genre or whatever, like you can see you hope to see the good qualities of the genre, but in a really embryonic form. Mm-hmm. With this game, there's some of that, but there's even more of all of the bad qualities fully fleshed out. Mm. So, like, sure. cheap deaths, oh, instant yeah. death traps, overpowered enemies, horrendous, unskippable combat, uh, nonsense item based puzzles, dead ends all over the dang place, missable and breakable items. Yes. That's a big one. So I think that like, you know, we talk about strategy guide bait a lot on the show games where you just couldn't figure it out or play it on your own unless you put in an obscene amount of time figuring it out, Mm -hmm. memorizing and blah, blah, blah. It's not reasonable. This game is that to the extreme. And I am going to say that some of my antipathy towards this game on this playthrough is born of the fact that we just played Nightcry. I can't, (laughs) I can't overlook that because... Nightcry is also that extreme to where you literally have to have a guide open and you have to check it every time you take a step. Mm. Like, you can't take a step without checking a guide. This game is the same way. Well, so, you know, we've been doing this podcast long enough for me to notice some some trends in your gameplay style. Uh And I find that you have a very low tolerance for classic PC gaming trial uh, trial and error gameplay. Because many of, like, PC gaming's, like, loved historical games from between, like, 1987 to 1993, they all have a lot of trial and error gameplay where you end up at dead ends. And that was kind of by design, and it was kind of beloved. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like you like that. No, I hate that. I'll 100% cop to it. I fucking hate that shit. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. I'm putting that in the same league as super hard platformers... And any game that you can't play without a walkthrough open the whole time, which is that Mm. (laughs) I already fucking did that. I already played all those games. I already beat as many of those games as I'm going to beat. I don't need Mm -hmm. to fucking do it anymore. When I see a new game do it, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And when I go back and play some of these old games, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Because guess what, buddy? I already did that, man. Like, dude, I already fucking beat Rocket Knight. You know how fucking hard Rocket Knight is? It's just fucking hard. So someone's like, oh, you should try Celeste. And I'm like, how about I fucking don't? How about I fucking don't? (laughs) Rocket Knight is of average difficulty. Celeste is much harder. I thought Rocket Knight was fucking hard. Something oh, really? about Rocket Knight specifically. I think it's like the size of the character and the perspective always <laughs> fucked with me. I had a really yeah. hard time with that game. Mm-hmm. I think it ran on the same engine as uh, Tiny Toons. Oh, sure. You ever play the Sega Genesis Tiny Toons? I, I played it a little bit of it. When I was a kid, like 
I learned to just steer so clear of licensed games for the most part. Yeah. There's a a lot of licensed games from that era. I only played for a few minutes or never played just because of that. Well, it said Konami on the box, so. Yeah. Yeah, but Tiny Toons and Rocket Knight have, like, the same amount of, like, slippery platform bullshit. Yeah. You know, you get too close to the edge and you slip off on accident. Yeah. And the the characters are always, like, a little too far forward on the screen. Yeah. So you're too close to the edge of the screen. Like, put them in the goddamn middle of the screen. That's, dude, that's the hardest thing for me, personally. Yeah. Like, that, because that was also my issue with uh, Blasphemous. Oh, yeah. Blasphemous has that exact <laughs> same, and that's why, like, I got so frustrated with that game because it had that exact same thing you know Mm -hmm. this is actually this is a good digression i kind of want to go down this rabbit hole for a second uh (laughs) so we talk a lot in the discord about game difficulty what games are hard what games are easy and people always like to talk like once again demonstratively about these things like they like to say this game's hard oh this game's not hard or this game isn't as hard as people say it is Mm. i like really disagree with all those statements because game difficulty is like pretty personal i think sure and i think that it's you can definitely make a blanket judgment about a game so you mm-hmm. can say like this game is hard that means for most people this game is hard if you don't like hard games you might not get into this game or <laughs> you know if you do like hard games maybe you should check this out right but yeah beyond something super vague like that it's pretty much impossible to say because like once again any game you can throw a game at me that's all about trial and error and you need a guide open. Someone who likes that might be like, oh, it's not hard. But to me, it's like unplayable. I'm just like, nope, get it out of here. Get it out of my True. fucking face. It's not even about hard or yeah. easy. It's just like, I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, you just don't vibe with it. And that's okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's the same kind of with like platformers where it's like, I've used this term a few times on the show now without really explaining myself, but quote unquote, super hard platformers or you know, super hard platforming sections. Mm. Like I don't like that stuff. Cause I did all that shit in the nineties and like, sure. Some of these games now are maybe actually harder than they were back then. Or maybe back then they were harder than they are now. I don't know. Mm. But the point is that like, that's just not fun to me, <laughs> you know? Right. Well, I played Gunstar heroes 10,000 times when I was a kid. So something like cuphead isn't very difficult for me, but then yeah. like something like, like meat boy, is like of course difficult because it's like difficult by design and i think like developers get off on that now yeah yeah totally well but even see man you could just i won't go on about this all day but i really could because like (laughs) right there's an interesting distinction because like yeah gunstar heroes same i know that game like the back of my hand that game's fucking easy as shit to me however Mm. that's a specific thing and like super meat boy is like the super mario bros thing mm-hmm. and i'm bad at those games i'm bad <laughs> at the 2d super mario brothers i like always have been mm-hmm. and so it's kind of interesting that like if someone is like oh this game's like super mario bros i'm just kind of like all right thank you for your service not yeah. going in there you know what i mean yeah super mario 3 physics are fucking wild you know yeah what I mean? and if you didn't like grow up with that it might be kind of jarring no i did grow up with it i just suck at it and i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> well there you go so anyway get good dude get good this game pushed a weird button for me with the difficulty where Mm. i just super did not want to play it and i really i actually had the thought well towards the end of the game i think it was at the part where you're underground you have to go on the bridge in the right order oh yeah 
I was like, this is homework. I'm literally doing my homework for Zero Brightness (laughs) right now, and there's no other reason why I would play this. They have to lengthen the gaming experience by giving you a dead end. Yeah. Like, right at the end of the game. Oh, my God. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Well, and this game is also one thing that I think is worth pointing out. I'd say content-wise, it's about a two-hour game tops. Sure. But I think with figuring out the controls, figuring out the interface, deaths, et cetera, et cetera, gets closer to four. Uh, Yeah, for sure. And that should give you an idea of how fucked up this game is. And you do have to pay attention. Well, because like, okay, of course this is like the granddaddy for Resident Evil. So of course you have to like read notes everywhere. Uh And sometimes if you don't read those notes like thoroughly, you won't know what the fuck to do because it'll give you like a real subtle clue. It's not obvious like uh, games are now, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, okay. And let's, let's talk about a little bit what this game actually is um, (laughs) in a nuts and bolts way. So it is a 3d adventure game. Uh, You take control of one of two characters uh, there's a male and a female protagonist. It doesn't really Jill or Chris. Yeah, doesn't really change anything. I think most people play as the dude because that's like the canon, quote unquote. I guess. Oh, is it? I played yeah. as the lady. Yeah, she uh, is much preferable because she has hilarious fried egg eyes. Um, <laughs> her eyes look like cartoon fried eggs, and they her pupils always point in like opposite and wrong directions. <laughs> And they just fly around everywhere. So I would always make her run towards the screen whenever I could so I could look at her crazy fried egg eyes. I love it. The 3D models in this game are amazing. Yeah. They're like super fucking basic. <laughs> Very low polygon budget. Yeah. It's uh, it's so baller. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so you're in this kind of very basic like low poly environment uh you basically get a little intro the game has a lot of voice acting actually um, yeah so the the version we played was the cd-rom version which yeah. came later but originally it came on a floppy and didn't have voice acting right but you know as par for the course for that era of gaming there was like a second edition that came out on cd-rom that had full voiced everything and uh you know midi soundtrack and all that yeah for sure um yeah. And so you basically go around this mansion. It's like the mansion is bad and you go around collecting, you know, notes, finding items, solving puzzles. And you're basically just trying to get to the bottom of the mystery and get out of the mansion. I think we need to back up a bit because the story of this game is kind of um, a precursor to a game you like a lot called Eternal Darkness. Uh (laughs) You get news from your crazy uncle that he died mysteriously in his mansion. So you have to go to the mansion and find out what really happened because you don't believe the authorities sound like a GameCube game. You like a lot. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's the exact same setup as eternal darkness. And actually, so one of the things I really do like about this game is the thing I like about eternal darkness as well, which is that it has that nineties adventure Mm -hmm. game aesthetic. Yeah. But like mapped onto a more like pure horror experience, mm. you know? And also this game uh has a ton of HP Lovecraft lifts oh, which yeah. I mean, I think Eternal Darkness does it better by creating their own canon, but in this game like if you've read HP Lovecraft, they're literally just referencing that. Like the the names of all mm-hmm. the people from the 
mythology, uh, you know, Pikmin's model, like all these references, you know, reference to, to like Cthulhu and all this kind of shit. Like they're all in the game. And once again, some of them are pretty specific. Like, so if you like Lovecraft or you've read Lovecraft, I guess that's, you might get a little jolt from that. Like, sure. oh, hey, there that is. But that's all in this game. So you're totally right. This is Eternal Darkness could be looked at as a kind of weird remake of Alone in the Dark. <laughs> Well, they both have dark in the name, too. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. hmm. I will say one thing about the story in this game is that the game sort of doesn't really have a story. Uh, it's kind of all environmental. It's all hints and clues and notes. But There's a lot of notes, though. There's a lot of notes. I would say there's like two to three times as much reading in this game than there is in like Resident Evil. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because each one is written in that flowery Lovecraftian way, mm-hmm. you know, and like there's a lot. But it, it's weird. Like you can get pretty far in the game before you realize like, oh, I've been doing all this reading, but I don't have any context of the story that's like set in the now. You know what yeah. I mean? Or like what's going on? I bet, you know, this was the era of PC gaming where you got a big box filled with shit. Uh, I bet the original version of this game came with like a fucking novel or something, you know? Sure. Oh, I'm I'm sure. But it's it's kind of just like the stuff that's in the game where it was them just wanting to kind of flex the like, oh, we can write Lovecraft shit. Yeah. <laughs> like here's some Lovecraft shit. So I I, I, I want to flash back to my childhood where I couldn't get past the first room in this game. Sure. The first room is that you're actually in the attic and you're like slowly trying to figure out like tank controls as like a 9-year-old boy. And you're looking around the room, you find like a lamp or whatever. And then this like monster jumps through the window, just like Resident Evil. And so you're you're like going into menus trying to figure out how to attack. And all of a sudden there's like a flap on the floor, like an like a secret door that pops open and another monster pops out. Yeah. And you get eaten to death, like really fast. Yeah. If you, if you pay attention to the opening cutscene. It, it talks about some clues in that room that you have to find to like progress the game but also if you look around you can find that you like push things so like right at the beginning of the game like you want to just kind of like explore it seems chill but then you have to you have to do things like each time you have to push that big piece of furniture in front of the window so he can't get in and you have to like push treasure chest on top of that like flap door yeah well, and here's, you know, just another thing to throw on the pile of stuff that Resident Evil did way better that relates to topics that we've been discussing for the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. Number one, in this game, even for something that's like a life or death scenario, you don't have any clues as to what you're supposed to do. And like, you can totally just walk out of that room and miss everything. It's like the structure of the puzzles and what you're supposed to do just doesn't exist in this game unless you're looking at a guide like it exists outside of the game i guess technically you get these little hints but like there's nothing to stop you from missing them and nothing to even send you back if you do miss them Mm. you would probably just die 10 times in the first two minutes and then quit the game sure which is you know what nine-year-old me did uh, this is one of those games that definitely like reward if you're that kind of player like rewards you with gameplay if you have like a paper and pad and like to restart you know sure 
Um, well, and also we should mention that this game has a save anywhere feature. Yeah, you will be safe scumming this game in 2020. It's designed. I mean, I think people were always safe yeah. scumming the shit out of this game. It's, it classic adventure games did this too, mm-hmm. um, but it is like kind of crazy in a more you know 3D adventure type game to be like safe scumming that hard. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, though, is that once again, I'm just trying to think of like ways that Resident Evil really took this game and like evolved it. Mm. I think the story is a big one. Like when you're first playing Resident Evil for the first time and you sort of are getting these hints and bits of what happened and trying to piece together what happened. It's a really good mystery. Like sure. The game is paced really well and strings you along really well. And I'm not going to like shit on this game for not doing that, but I'm going to say like this game just sort of doesn't have anything like that. Like you're really well, just getting yeah. snowed under with like 1800 style ship logs and stuff. It, yeah, there's no NPCs. There's no, like, dialogue or anything. And I think that really could have made it cooler. Like, yeah. if the two characters, like, meet up, you know, like Barry and Jill do or something. Yeah, there's none of that there. Totally. Even just, like, the amount of reading you do, but the absolute, like, absence of any sort mm-hmm. of mystery <laughs> is kind of nuts. Where it's like, right. I'm basically reading a novel, but I'm not, like, getting any sort of, like... Uh, any sort of intrigue from it, you know? Such 90s dad shit, you know? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. So, I think we kind of need to talk about the controls. Uh, yeah. The elephant in the room. Um, why did they only think people would only ever use one button for everything? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay. So, I sort of see how this happened, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't excuse it. (laughs) Um, so, for some context for the listener... Essentially, in this game, you just have, you know, directional arrows, a menu button, and a select button. Mm-hmm. So the directional arrows are tank controls, very, very rudimentary tank controls. Slow turn. Yeah. Super slow turning, uh, no context sensitive anything. Uh, it's really harsh uh, just to start. Uh, you also double tap to run, but it's Pain. S- super janky. Hell. Uh, it feels super broken. There's no way to cheese that either and assign it to a key, which really hurts me, me deep inside. Yeah, because it's like a rhythmic thing. Like even yeah. like the guide I was using right at the start, it's like you have to figure out the rhythm. And I was like, oof, that's harsh. Mm-hmm. But yeah. even better <laughs> is that if you're not running, you're like crawling. Yeah. I mean, technically <laughs> it's, really slow. it's a walk, but it's not a walk. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think this game really tried to be cinematic. Like put your 1992 hat on and then look at it. I think it tried to be like cinematic as fuck, but oh, yeah. now it's just like unplayably slow. 
Right. <laughs> well, and see, that's actually a very good point because that's how I think the interact function ended up, right? Yeah. So the way sure. that works is, like I said, there's a menu button. You pull open the menu. You can select an item and then you can select what you want to do with it. So it's usually like there's attack, there's search, and then there's open, open and push, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the way, so it's really fucking clunky to open up the menu every time you want to do one of these, those things, right? But I think the way that it happened was that they wanted it to be super cinematic and they didn't want to have a lot of on-screen like GUI. Mm -hmm. So instead of having a bar at the bottom that you could click with a mouse to be like, okay, attack, okay, search, like you would in Monkey Island, for example, Mm -hmm. they wanted it to be all hidden so the game would look cinematic. I get the thinking, but it breaks the game. (laughs) (laughs) it's not great yeah yeah and like this is on top of the fact that the combat is i don't know what it is (laughs) uh well it's like resident evil in molasses yeah um but worse somehow i mean you're still like turning in tank controlled mode and like shooting a shotgun uh but it feels like shit and it sucks yeah my big issue with it was that Basically, all you can really do is select the item, select attack, and then just point yourself at the enemy and like hold the attack button and hope that you win. Mm-hmm. And you just like quick load it if you don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like so weird. And the only tactic that you and the enemy can really effectively use is just cornering. Mm-hmm. So either the enemy corners you and kills you slowly, but painfully like there's no way to run away if you get cornered you're fucked even if you're you run panic and double tap wrong yeah exactly but even if you do run like i got pretty good at running away the enemies will still catch you like they have a really mm-hmm. wide most of them have a really wide swing but on the other hand you can also do that to the enemies like you can corner them and just roast their asses yeah attacking is weird because like you hold the button and if you press x or if you press forward, you'll do like a forward attack. Or if you press right, you'll do like a swipe from right to left. Or if you press left, you'll do a swipe from left to right. Uh, I don't know if we needed that many options. No. Like, I this game would have been better if the combat would have been more like turn-based or really animation-based. Like something <laughs> like an old adventure game where you could just click or something. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's really bad. It's... To the point where it's kind of like not doable for the most part. (laughs) I mean, I find the game um, like heavily janky, but still playable. I think, well, see, and this is, we're right back to that fucking Nightcry shit Mm. where it's like, I felt like the game was just so jank and it was so demanding of the player, right? (laughs) Where it's like, that's the combo that really to me screams this is not playable (laughs) like if it's like the game is super jank and you can barely play it and you also have to do everything perfectly that's Mm -hmm. that's when i'm just like i'm out i mean i think this is the kind of game where it's like yeah if you are willing to save scum like a madman if you want to have a guide open the whole time and (laughs) you just that sounds okay to you i mean this game is playable but if you're like me 
It's not really the jam. I think I think it's an interesting curiosity now, just because of its lineage. Like Resident Evil is such a huge thing, and it still is. Like it's been rebooted successfully twice now, right? And tons of movies, blah blah blah. You know, Alone in the Dark got like a shitty reboot. It got a shitty movie. And I really feel like it got short of the stick because it's you know it 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 it, it has this like trail of shit after it, but it was so groundbreaking at the beginning. And I think just playing it like as it is, as a curiosity, uh, for like video game history, is uh kind of is the the interesting part for me. Like, is it a great game? No, but is it like uh extremely notable piece of video game history? Like, of course. Sure. Oh yeah. No. Once again, I I definitely am not going to argue there. And there's really cool stuff in this game. I think there's some cool camera angles. There's some cool direction. There's um, great puzzles. I mean, uh, this, I'm not going to agree with that. <laughs> this game is, a, you know, it's it's a mansion puzzle box. And if you have the patience to figure out the puzzles on your own, I could see how it, it would be pretty rewarding, you know, um, especially, especially when the there there's a cool puzzle around the um uh the library where there's like a ghost chasing you around the library and you find like three ritual knives and you have to read the books and figure out which knife to use to use against this ghost then you you kill it stuff like that is really cool and it's more open-ended than something that you would find in resident evil where it's like okay do this like clearly obvious puzzle and blah 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 and then you can open the door sure no i mean i agree there and i i think that Resident Evil has never had like the greatest puzzles in the world or the most like mind bending puzzles, but I'm also not really going to give it to this game on that front. I think, (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's the same thing where it's like, I don't know how you would figure that out in a reasonable way. I guess that's why I have a low tolerance for these types of games. It's just, none of it seems reasonable to me, you know? Uh, Another thing that this game does that Resident Evil doesn't do is that it uses the um, static perspectives as a gameplay piece with like puzzles. There's a part later on in the um, under the house is like a big cave basement thing, and there's a bunch of like walkways. But the way that the camera is set up, it's it kind of like tricks you with this forced perspective thing, and you can't really see like what walkways lead to what. And it becomes like kind of like a uh, a platforming puzzle, and I thought that was interesting. It wasn't like amazing or anything, but I think it's like an idea that was used where um, I, the the later games never picked up and used that sort of limitation to its like advantage in terms of a puzzle. Well, Nightcry had that puzzle where you had to throw a baseball at a bell. That was sort of a similar <laughs> similar idea, I think. <laughs> We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the game. This <laughs> fucking old ass man in a suit on like a weird tropical island throwing a baseball at a bell right under the nose of a guard who would have 100% seen all of this but doesn't and doesn't murder him. That is some PC gaming uh, puzzle solving if yeah. I ever heard it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, it's it's I guess like for me, I think the I mean the more we talk about this kind of stuff, the more I experience the stuff while playing the game. I think that for someone like me, 
survival horror was really attractive and still is because it took a lot of those old adventure game ideas and habits both good and bad and Mm. simplified them to the point where you could just turn on game play it not have a guide and get through the game sure and i think this game doesn't have that aspect Mm -mm. to it right at all they want you to call the tip line yeah and that's why I think a big reason why I didn't like it, because that's, once again, to talk about playstyle and difficulty and all that stuff, like, my ideal playstyle is that I can pick up a game, play it without a guide, and get through it. If I get mm. stuck, I might look at a guide, or if I'm trying to do something like get the good ending or complete some optional thing, I might look at a guide, but ultimately, I want to just be able to play it without a guide. So that's like, I think the original Resident Evil, you can play without a guide. I think Silent Hill, you can absolutely play without a guide. Um, Stuff like that. And I think... I wouldn't have been able to do the door door knocking puzzle in Galerians without a guide. Oh, really? I would have died. Huh. Galerians, I think, is like right in the middle you can play most of that game without a guide and I actually did that puzzle without a guide I actually think where Galerian's kind of trips up is like after that like that next segment is so unforgiving that you need to just look at a guide to know what the fuck you're supposed to do because you don't even know how to like hit the dudes like you don't even know how to damage the enemies in that area right but I actually would argue that the first few areas of Galerians are good at being like mysterious and difficult in a PC adventure way without necessarily like requiring a guide and then the end of the mm-hmm. game is just like you need you need yeah you need someone on the phone you need a tip line basically I don't know I think you have a, just an intolerance for PC gaming of this era and I think that's going to color your opinion of this game I think it's a bit more notable than you're letting on I'm not saying it's not notable. I'm saying it's notable as shit. It's just like super not fun to play. And if someone asked me today if they should go back and play it, I would tell mm. them no. I would tell them not to. I think if you if you grew up with a PC, you probably appreciate this more than if you're just like a Resident Evil freak and love survival horror games. Well, I agree with that too. Yeah. I mean, like I said, a lot of the the aesthetic, let's talk about the aesthetic of this game. It's fucking great, dude. It's like that dark crayon tone, low res ass shit with some mm-hmm. nice chonky pixel art. It's great. Yeah, it's got good, uh, you know, MIDI music and all that. The music is uh, great. The baddies are hilariously bad, though. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, there's there's one that I call a zombie chicken. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's not even made out of polygons. It's made out of like balls. Remember when the video games were like with uh, ball t- ball based technology based? Yeah, totally. Uh, that was a pretty exciting time in gaming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's basically like a bunch of balls, and it has like teeth. Yeah. Sprites like balls 3D. I remember balls. I had balls 3D. Yeah. I got that as a stocking stuffer as a kid. Nice. I always got like shitty like bargain bin games in my stocking. I was always so excited to get them. Oh, same. I definitely like. I remember one year. Uh, I got like. Uh, was it the Activision like all the Atari games on like a disc and I was like oh hell yeah dude for my PC for my CD-ROM <laughs> equipped PC Fuck hell yeah. yeah um yeah no those uh those bird bird boys are so stupid yeah even the zombies are dumb looking um yeah I, I really feel like the backgrounds and 
sound and atmosphere um are been have been done a disservice by like how kind of like goofy the main bad guys look yeah later on you have to deal with like lovecraft worms that look kind of cool and they stretch in weird ways yeah and like um underground like fishmen and stuff which is you know classic lovecraft those look cool i like the worms and the worm tunnels a lot um yeah some of the atmosphere and the aesthetics are really really great um mm-hmm. yeah it's it's just yeah and anytime that something like you have to fight or there's some sort of action-based thing or an instant death trap it just takes you out of it and you're just like oh fuck this but some of it is cool though because there's like a there's a puzzle where you have to play the right record in this ballroom and you play the record and a bunch of like ghosts start dancing but they'll like kill you if you touch if they touch yeah. you so you Things have like to, that. yeah, you end up save scumming and like reloading a thousand times because you keep getting mm-hmm. touched by the ghosts. <laughs> but like, it's it's a cool puzzle. Besides the instant death PC gaming <laughs> bullshit, yeah. But th- that's but I have I mean. a higher tolerance for PC gaming bullshit. So sure, but I'm also going to argue that you can't like separate it out. It's like I, I'm not going to like take that as like a cool idea when it's like innately tied to also like trying to jankily maneuver my Cadillac steering ass protagonist around a bunch of instant death ghosts. Like it'd be much less forgivable if like I got a game over and then it loaded for 45 seconds and kicked me out to the title screen. And then I had to like hit continue and uh-huh. load for like another 45 seconds. But no, it's just a quick load away. No big deal. I mean, that's that's true. That's always an advantage that vintage retro games are going to have over modern games, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Alone in the Dark. It's it's so janky, but it's so charming because of what it is. I mean, you can't play this and not think it's the prototype of Resident Evil. And just for that as a curiosity, I, I think it's a must play. I'm going to call it a must play. It's yeah. not great, but it's a must play. I'm going to disagree, actually. I think this is one of those. And there are many games like this, in my opinion. Like, it's a retro game that's important, but it either requires a too much of a commitment, it's too hard, it's too frustrating. Just watch a fucking YouTube video of it, man. <laughs> well, it's, it's short. It also doesn't have a lab section. Like, the underground section that you could, like, maybe call the lab section, it's so short and kind of, like, unintrusive that it's fine. Dude, it's such a pain, though. Holy shit. I would take the lab section in any survival horror game over the caves in this game. Really? Oh, yeah. 100%. I don't know. The fucking maze in the dark. Oh, my God. The, oh, this- yeah, that maze in the dark is kind of bullshit. It, like, zooms out really far, and it looks like that, uh, was that super off-road? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the bridge is also kind of, like, a maze... So the bridge, there's one way in and one way out of mm-hmm. these like ancient tunnels. Yeah. And one of those ways in and out is a bridge and it will crumble if you walk on it. So you have to make sure you enter that area from the pl- room that won't crumble and mm-hmm. then exit through the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sucks. And <laughs> it's like there's that and the maze and the worm tunnels. It's like the whole caves part is just one frustrating maze after another i've mm. never played an end part of a survival horror game that is that frustrating maybe <laughs> maybe I- alien isolation got close but mm. i don't even think so yeah um it's i don't know i just don't 
I think it's too frustrating. I don't think it's fun to play. Like I said, I think people should uh, keep it in their thoughts and prayers, I guess. Like, you should watch a YouTube video of it. You should be aware that it exists, but, like... It's also incre incredibly cheap on GOG. It comes packaged with the first three games. Because oh, sure. yeah, this game was wildly successful. So, like, right after it came alone in the Dark 2 and 3. And they all play extremely similarly. Oh, really? Uh, I saw a little bit of Alone in the Dark 2 on YouTube, and it does seem like right at the beginning there's a lot of like shooting and i was like yeah i don't know about this so, <laughs> i don't know we'll see um i've never but. even i've never even really like investigated any of the sequels i saw yeah. maybe a little bit of gameplay of like the reboot and it just looks so stupid and generic i was like eh. yeah so here's another thing too i mean we did that zero brightness plus episode recently about mm -hmm. uh let's plays and just watching games on youtube right we didn't talk about this at all but this is something i think which is that like when we were i don't know in middle school high school grade school whatever right before now yeah. uh you couldn't just like jump on and watch a playthrough of a game so every game was kind of like worth playing because you had to play it to experience it Mm -hmm. and like i think for games that are worth it and are fun to play like that's still good that's still my mindset but then there's games that are from the past they're notable they're important games but they're not fun to play i don't see what's stopping people from just watching a playthrough that's like prime candidate for like just watch a playthrough bro because like mm. it's not fun to play i i do think this game is fixable you could fix the controls you can just assign a bunch of shit to buttons uh, you can fix the player movement a little bit. You know, do the neural network HD fucking upgrades on the backgrounds. Just to make it a little more playable. And I think they did do a lot of that for the iOS version of the game. And the oh, game runs yeah. at like a higher resolution and everything. But that version's not playable on a PC or anything. So Sure. Um, they could do a very simple HDFI on Alone in the Dark 1 and make it a lot more playable. The combat would still suck and you would still need to have a guide open the whole time though and those are really my big two beefs like yeah the controls are bad but you get used to it within a half an hour you know like so there was a alone in the dark for playstation one called alone in the dark the new nightmare and that was the two, 2001 reboot okay yeah but um i mean it, it still has pre-rendered backgrounds it looks i mean they turned it right around and it's a resident evil clone you know, it even has like the handsome protagonist and everything. But yeah, this this game, the IP was not beloved and taken care of like Resident Evil was. I mean, like THQ Nordic was making the later games and, yeah. you know, Uva Bowl directed the fucking movie. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so, you know, I've well, never seen the movie. Sure. And I'm definitely going to agree with you 100% that it didn't deserve all that. Like <laughs> they killed this game. But once again, it's like that's sort of part of the problem of coming first i guess is that mm -hmm. nobody knew that you could make a fran like a real franchise out of a yeah. little horror game it just hadn't been done before it wasn't part of the world of gaming so of course right. it got kind of screwed over and just continually rebooted as like garbage but i wouldn't really want to see alone in the dark come back um you know like we argued over this over like Nightcry and Clock Tower. I would love to see like a cool new Clock Tower. I don't know if we need a cool new Alone in the Dark, especially since you know the IP has been like passed around like that. You know, it's just soulless now. 
Well, and you could also argue that there's so many indie devs making games like this now that we kind of already are getting new games Mm. like this pretty frequently. I mean, that's like the striking thing about this game is so much of the aesthetic stuff and the tone of the game is so consistent with what's like kind of popping right now in the indie sphere. Like if you had thrown this game into the haunted demo disc, like... (laughs) fit right in it would fit right in i mean so i think that there's that uh it's one of those things where it's like yeah the influence has been felt so strongly that we don't really need a new one i feel that way about anything that's lovecraft based where it's like the influence of lovecraft and the influence of things influenced by lovecraft is so strong that like when they make a new game that's like the rise of the Cthulhu, it's like, dude, I don't fucking care, man. Like we got yeah. so many fucking games that are all Lovecrafted out. Like I don't need that shit. A lot of mediocre Lovecraft games out there. Yeah. But I am interested in playing this 2001 reboot for the PS one. It does look kind of nice. So I want to play the 2008 one. It looks like shit. I bet that's funny. Yeah. It's got like a <laughs> Xbox 360 fuckboy on the front. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. What's up with that generation and it's like generic white fuckboys? Generic white fuckboys who look like they play guitar in like a dark alt country band. Dark alt country is tight. <laughs> Isn't that true, Woodo, you just described? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not alt country, dude. No, you yeah, clearly no. didn't know any alt country people. <laughs> dude, I'm the one sending you Puddle of Mud CDs to listen to. <laughs> See, that's closer to alt country. Uh oh. I don't like that genre. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't listen to Puddle Mud, everybody. Listen, you did a good job. You did a real good job. I'd rather I'd rather play Alone in the Dark than listen to Puddle of Mud. I did both um, last week, and I I had more fun listening to Puddle of Mud. Not gonna lie. <laughs> you had some LOLs, dude. I was laughing my ass off. Monica was concerned. But it was good time. It was good ass time, dude. It was a good ass job. I did a good job. I'm I'm gonna give Alone in the Dark a uh, a four for historical um, historical merit and a two for fun factor. I'd probably agree with that, except change the fun factor to a one. Well, I mean, like, once again, I'm like, I'm not arguing that this game should be forgotten or that it's not significant. I, I, I don't think that at all. I just think that, like, it's it, I was surprised. And I, I'm, I guess, like, I'm saying all this stuff almost out of, like, shock because I was excited yeah. to play this game. It's like, oh, I remember this game. Like, I had good memories of this game. And then actually playing, it, I was like, why, though? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Well, and like I said, I think that it's one of the many games you could argue that we played when we were younger because that was the only way you could experience it that now people don't necessarily need to play, you know, Mm. because you have other options. You can watch a watch a playthrough, you know, and I feel like you will get more out of this game if you've got heavy DOS nostalgia. I think that can't be understated. Uh, You might you're you're going to have a bigger tolerance for the bullshit. And you're going to have a lot more fun with it. Sure. Well, it's like, that's kind of true of any, like, throwback thing. Even modern stuff, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. like you're playing Streets of Rage 4. I'm sure it's a great game regardless, but it definitely doesn't hurt that you are a Sega kid, right? For sure. For yeah. Sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, speaking of Streets of Rage 4, 
Game Club. Game Club. <laughs> well, next we're playing, uh, what, Amnesia? The Dark Descent? Yes. Which is like... Dude, I, I started it last night, and I'm like, wow, this game is fucking Xbox 360 as fuck. <laughs> it's like uh, the Xbox 360 game. I actually, you know what's funny is that, so I need, I started, I restarted playthrough a while ago. I need to get back to it. Um, playing Alone in the Dark was actually kind of shocking, because I was like, oh, wow, like this has so much of that same vibe. Like, mm-hmm. where it's sort of Lovecrafty, and it's a lot of just, like, listening to people read flowery prose. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but actually, it, that's kind of what I like about Alone in the Dark, so I really like that about Amnesia. It's a... If you're not in the mood for that game, it can be kind of harsh, but if you are, it's, like, so nice. It's, like, yeah. bedtime story shit. Like, <laughs> reading Turn of the Screw when you're, like, 12. It's, like, great. Well, I already got stuck and quit, so I'm gonna have to boot it up again. Nice! <laughs> And after that, we're playing uh, Dreadout, also known as the fatal frame you find in the glass case at the gas station. <laughs> the fatal frame we have at home. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, so I'm going to go into a blind, which is kind of the way I like it. Yeah, I played it a while ago. I didn't finish it, but I liked what I played. Um, so It kind of looks like Nightcry, which concerns me because you actually recommended us that we play this one so do you hate yourself are you okay uh yeah no i don't hate myself and yes i am okay 